0: There are the cliches like uh, you know be the best at what you can you know uh, be and excellence and all those kind of things. We already knew that we couldn't be we, we couldn't fight we couldn't win the battle on excellence, so win it in a different way and and, and for us, it was originality on how we told our stories through music.
1: From Ray & Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. Just because you produce superior products and consistently flawless in your execution, or have the best and brightest employees on your team's roster, doesn't mean you'll outshine the competition. For example, Columbus rock and roll band The Toll may not have been technically superior to their competition in the late 80s and early 90s, but their brand was unique, daring, and dangerous, which ultimately attracted the attention of Geffen Records and resulted in a $3.6 million record deal. Today, Brad Cercone, former frontman of The Toll, is here to explain the sorcery that is brand differentiation and what businesses can do to set themselves apart. In an overly saturated marketplace. Welcome, Brad. Welcome is right. It, Sorcery. That's, <laughs> that's beautiful. Love that. I do like that. Good writer over S- here on this team. Sounds like maybe a new song you can you can write. No, no, it just sounds like Stevie's Nick, Stevie Nick's kind of song. Oh, Sorcery. Sorcery. Yeah. Yes. But I like it. So it's it's good to have you on this side of the microphone. You yeah. are, for those that don't know, our our engineer and producer and professional extraordinaire. And- <laughs> Without you, this this podcast could not happen. So thank you for that.
0: Oh, thanks for having me
1: on. Absolutely. So, and with you being a music buff, this is a, this is good for both of us. Absolutely. So you you met my musical idol, which is Joe Strummer mm-hmm. from the Clash yeah. years and years ago. Passed away tragically, I think, seventeen years ago. Um, Jesus, I know time flies. But uh, so, tell me what that was like a little bit. It was great. It was at Veteran's Memorial. Yes. And, um, Old vets, yeah, and
0: we were I got backstage somehow, I think a lady friend of mine gave me a <laughs> a backstage pass, so I went back there and um was just hanging out on a on a card table, Nice. and uh he came and s- sat next to me, and Is I had no
1: set or pre set no the
0: sh- g- their gig was over, okay, and um, we had maybe started the band, but it wasn't called the toll, I think at the time it was called nothing yet. <laughs> So I was sitting, I know, inventive name, yeah. don't say it, Abby, everything's fine. And um, I was sitting on the table and all of a sudden I see this boot swinging with my boot. Yeah. And I thought, no, oh, those boots are cooler looking than my little American <laughs> boots. And it was Strummer wow. sat right next to me, drinking coffee in Guinness. Nice. Hot coffee with Guinness at it. And I could Perfect. smell it. And I had never had it. This is, again, a long time ago. And I said, what's that? And he said, it's mostly coffee. <laughs> I said, all right. But, uh. He just sat there and signed people's shirts and autographs. Wow. Just hung out with people. Didn't act like a rock star. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Very humble. Interesting. And he got done. and It was just me and him and a couple of the road crew. And he said, "Uh, do you want an autograph? I said, no, I need advice. And he said, that's a good answer. Wow. He said, what's the advice? I said, how do I get a band signed? Yeah. And he said, he stood up, and they got ready to leave the room. He turns around like an old Columbo move
1: <laughs>
0: and says, you need to go to the biggest, most badass city in the world and make sure you have something to say and say it. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, get a gig at CBGB's. You'll know in an wow. hour whether you have talent or not.
1: No kidding. So that's so what go he did. To Go to New York. And So he did. Well, we got a gig at CBGB's. It took me wow. a year and a half later, but yeah. But you did it. Yep.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. I didn't want the autograph Is you know, I, I wanted to hear something from his brain that I could utilize yeah. to different, you know, to help us get on our road.
1: Yeah. And that, that uh, leads me to, to our topic or one of the topics today, differentiating your, your brand. So mm-hmm. he really kind of drove that home, as it were, saying to go and, and show how you can differentiate, right?
0: Yeah. And I think he wanted me to also expose our lack of differentiation because when okay. we first played that night, we weren't different. Um we were just uh you know we weren't none of us can read music, we couldn't, so therefore we couldn't play cover songs, <laughs> so um, we used to get local gigs around Columbus by calling ourselves a cover band, but we only did cover songs that were unreleased, <laughs> <laughs> so they were okay. so they were our tunes that's the only way we could get in to get any door money, right, nice. But we went to New York the first couple times, we, you know, we failed because we weren't differentiated, we weren't mature, we didn't have an idea of a unique selling proposition, we didn't do any market research. Right. That's when I realized that, wait a minute, what Joe's saying is we're not ready for New York. The fastest way to tell me, you know, the fastest way to know that is to go do it, fail, forward. Right. You say, oh, God, this is, I'm out of my element or totally. whatever. Totally, Yeah. Well, I was drowning. Yeah. So we, we came back and rebooted, and that's when we got very intense and took a much more brand marketing approach to rock and roll.
1: Okay, so, so how, did that, how did that work? What was that thought process? Like?
0: Um, we studied ever. we, we um, All were going to OSU at the time. My cousin, who's now an attorney downtown, uh, our bass player, and, and, uh, and our drummer, we were all living in a, in a place together on campus, and I bought a giant chalkboard. Yes, this is pre-large computers. <laughs> and on the chalkboard, we nailed every band in the late 70s, early 80s that we loved. Yeah. And we assigned their A&R guy and we looked at why they were signed. So, we we did competitive market research sure. on every band and predicted which A&R guy might sign us because we didn't have the bandwidth to go after every A&R sure. guy. It stands for artist and repertoire in the music business. Yep. So... We narrowed it down to a few, and one was um, a guy from Chrysalis, Bruce Dickinson, who signed this band that we loved at the time called The Psychedelic Furs. Yeah, absolutely. Ten album deals, CBS Records, who later produced our demo tape. No I, kidding. I met Tim in New York through his lovely wife, and um, we were having a breakfast brunch drinkathon.
1: <laughs> at, Guinness and, at, and <laughs> coffee?
0: At, yeah, no, 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 it was stronger than that with the furs, <laughs> but... Um, we actually did research on all the A and R guys, and another guy that we did research on was a guy by the name of Michael Rosenblatt, who ultimately ended up signing us. I still have the my handwriting. Wow, of who he had signed, you know, the uh, Madonna, Depeche Mode. We yeah. weren't just because you know we weren't into Madonna; that wasn't our kind of music. But we were into Madonna's uniqueness and greatness as an artist and a brand. She differentiated, right? And Rosenblatt saw that before anybody else in the market. And you know, that's the thing about Michael Rosenblatt; he signed so many unbelievable bands that were from many many different genres so i trusted that yeah so that's the first thing we did we knew we couldn't play well we couldn't read music but we also knew because we had these limits that perhaps we could stumble onto something beautiful because we were limited yeah right It'd be great at something at something and 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 i know a little bit about our art enough to know that sometimes the things that you the things that limit you catalyze you right like Keith Richards, you know, he has five guitar strings, he doesn't have six. He doesn't need six. <laughs> and so there, there's a lot of things, like the Ramones. Why, you know, J- J- uh, um, Johnny Ramone, they've all since passed the original yeah. Ramones, but Johnny Ramone, when we were playing with him, he has a famous quote that he's the only guitar player ever in the history that all strokes on a guitar are downstrokes. <laughs> Why would I stroke up? Yeah. You only need to stroke down. <laughs> So, so we figured. I'm leaving that one alone. <laughs> Thank you. So, so is it? Yeah. So we figured that let's take let's take these uh, inconsistencies that we had and put them together. Okay. So one day in practice, we're just screwing around, and again, none of us can read music, but we love making music together. We we knew that we had that right. Yeah. And my cousin turned to me and said, "You're you didn't write any of those lyrics, did you?" And I said, "No." He said, "Well, it just feels more real when you're doing that." Just I said, doing one, I'm just ad living. He goes, yeah, I know. He goes, well, next time we write a song, let's take away your pen and paper, and you just get up here every day. We practice in Grandview, at my, yeah. my my parents' uh, pinball warehouse. I was next to, you know, Kiss Pinball Machines. <laughs> Love it. Pinball <laughs> and Wizard. We, and we had, uh, we duct taped uh, jukebox speakers together. Those were our amps. Okay. They were old jukebox speakers, and we had them all duct taped together, which was very intimidating. When we, when we came into a bar, people were like, where's your amps? They're, they're over there. Right there. You mean the ones with the duct tape? Yep, those are ours. <laughs> That's very cool. Anyway, I started uh, ad-libbing lyrics, and that kind of cemented the mission of the band. Interesting. And then my cousin Rick and I said, from now on, if we have a gig... Uh, and we went through 12 drummers doing all this and numerous bass players. If anybody quits on us or doesn't show up or is five minutes late for practice, they're out. Wow. If they don't show up, we're still gigging. Yeah. We're still playing. And we played some horrible shows, just my cousin and I. Just two of you. Don't read music. And thank God he was good looking. We still had a couple of people who'd stand around just to look just at to him. Just to watch him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I fell in that group later. I was so bored with myself. Yeah. But... The the point of the matter is we understood we had a differentiating attribute. and That was our ability to improvise and never write down a single lyric. So we didn't. Wow. And we started writing different kinds of music. And the only lyric I would sing that was sane every night was the choruses. Okay. So this caught on in East Lansing, Michigan, in Pittsburgh, uh, college campuses. A lot of English majors and journalism majors would write about us. Okay. And their local rags back then yeah and so we were on 97-1 which is the number one underground radio station in southern ohio and we were posting we were actually ranking songs then wow i would get it keep the courses the same but what would happen is everybody would come to the show to see would the song be three minutes would be 30 minutes sometimes we would do one song for 30 minutes wow just to see if we get everyone to leave yeah Make a game out of it, (laughs) basically. But but we knew we had a difference. And so that's what we started to do is differentiation. And and eventually, that led to more and more shows, shows that were packed before we got there, which we weren't used to. And tons of books we used to get. They would throw books at the stage because a lot of the songs were inspired by novelists. Okay. From Fitzgerald to Doris Lessing. And I would go on these long diatribes, whatever mood I was in. Yeah. And the band improvised because all we had was one another, couldn't read music. right? And um, so we would have stacks of books. <laughs> Very and the, cool. The, the road, the road, road manager and roadies would go, well, the books weigh more than the equipment now. <laughs> Brad, what are we going to do with all these books? I said, I know, we'll sign them and send them back. There you go. Send them know. back to the
1: fans, yeah. right?
0: So that's how we got started. And Michael Rosenblatt finally heard of us, flew to East Lansing, Michigan, an outdoor concert. Wow. Saw us where we played one song for 22 minutes. And he came up to the front of the stage and said, that's unbelievable. Can you do that? If I gave you a lot of money, could you do that every night, no matter how big the crowd gets? And said, I said, probably.
1: Sure. We'll Not give sure. it a try.
0: <laughs> We've never played in more than 2,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> but probably. So that was it. That's awesome. And, and the Furs helped us. We did a demo tape here in town at Music Hall in Oakland Park. Wow. And the Psychedelic Furs, furs bass player, Tim Butler, flew in. And I had a $2,000 check from Chrysalis Records because they were interested. So we had a little bidding war between Chrysalis, MCA, and Geffen. And uh, I took a photocopy. We were broke. I mean, we were broke. We were below ramen noodles. <laughs> <laughs> and I took the $2,000 check from Chrysalis and made like 20 Christmas ornaments out of it and got Seriously? an old tree yeah, and put it up for the band. That was our Christmas. And uh, the day after Christmas, we get a knock on our door. I think it's on Summit Avenue where we were living at the time. Yeah, get a knock on the door, and it's Tim Butler from the Psychologist. Wow, Church. just showed up, showed up to record the song we did that's on the first record called "Smoking the Cigarette." Wow, that's yeah. awesome. And then that that got us to um, eventually back to Rosenblatt through yeah. through the Furs. Okay, and then Geffen, and then say. Geffen. Yeah, in in uh, Michael worked for Geffen at the time, and Michael's father is uh, Eddie Rosenblatt and he was the president of Geffen. Wow. So we were in the family, and that's how I had tacos with Holland Oates one night. But that's another <laughs> story. <laughs>
1: that's a that's a whole separate podcast. It is, it is Taco Tuesday. <laughs> it is. I don't know if it was a Tuesday.
0: It was LA taco style. So it was probably organic before we knew the word. There you go. But but, 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 t- but it was differentiation
1: is yeah, my the, point. The brand you you had created a brand for yourselves that was different. Mm-hmm. And so if I think about that from a business owner's perspective, that that's what I, is that what I should focus on? Exactly. Is that excellence,
0: you know, there are the cliches like, uh, you know, be the best at what you can, you know, yeah. uh, be and excellence and all those kind of things. We already knew that we couldn't, be, we, we couldn't fight, we couldn't win the battle on excellence. Right. So win it in a different way. And, and, and for us, it was originality on how we told our stories through music. Yeah. And sell that. Sure. So well, I always said that we were a hell of a lot better brand than we were a band. The band grew into the aspirational brand. Interesting. And, and that's why I sometimes see clients holding back. I see beauty in their business. Right. They see problems in it. I can only see businesses aspirationally. That's why as soon as I, you know, my rock and roll days were over, it was easy for me to get into branding. I just added an R to banding
1: yeah. and I was there done. There <laughs> you go. But
0: it's about thinking aspirationally about your business and to be fearless. But you have to be confident and get out of the way of the everyday problems. Right. right. And, I mean, I could have kept focusing on we don't know how to play. I, can, I can't sing well. Right. I could focus on all the negatives. Can't read
1: music. Or oh, I could no. say
0: that I want this dream so much, I got to find a different route to get there. Okay. And that's differentiation. So, I don't want companies to be great. I want them to be really good at one thing mm-hmm. and do that thing forever. Over and over and over. Over and over and over. And many times it's about not being patient enough as a business owner to find the position. Right. You want to find the position. So... Oftentimes, they can't be objective enough as a business owner to find that position, okay. or daring enough because they're running it. Yeah, right. Yep. But if you can get if you if your dream is big enough, you can aspire a brand that will
1: motivate the business. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's Apple because people get behind it, and it's The, and the, the, whole, so, the and brand you, is the culture. That's it. It's the same. It's exactly
0: what one and the same. Right. That's exactly right. But that is a whole other belief system. So that's why I say the idea of strategy always over tactics, being disciplined in finding a position over excellence, and collaboration is always better than ego.
1: Yeah. So that that teamwork within mm-hmm. within the company, rather than having a quote unquote cowboy team or person over here that feels like they're different or better than the rest of the business.
0: That's right. I mean, the the humility, if you look back in great rock and roll bands, it's when they're together that they're the best. Yeah, yeah. And there's a reason for that. It's because of respect and humility. And those are the same factors that motivate great brands, whether it's in an entertainment business or in in an accounting business. Sure, yeah. You know, the the, Ray way is a major emotional part of the core value system and brand of Ray. Right. And that's the same thing we did as young punks going <laughs> to school, you know, hanging out at Crazy Mamas and going to school at Ohio State.
1: Whether it was knowingly or unknowingly, it's what you enjoyed, right? That's right. I didn't overthink it. Yeah. exactly and and that's the part you know i think about our our daily lives at our firm here and and even my best clients you can tell they're enjoying themselves and they they collaborate and they want to they want to be together they want to talk they want to interact and and that's when it's it's most enjoyable and i think a lot of times you see companies get away from that you know Mm -hmm. they get so focused on the task they, they they lose sight of what they're really doing in terms of why are why are we here yeah, and I think they block
0: themselves from influential innovation. Mm. I mean, the greatest thing is to be humbled by somebody who knows a hell of a lot more than you do. Sorry for cussing. <laughs> <laughs> knows a lot more than you do um, and sharing in the joy that you can learn from them. Right. And again, whether it's a business or from entertainment to um, you know law firms, you've got to uh, find that brand, find that position, exploit that those
1: differences, and stay on brand. Yeah, always, yeah. and just keep that keep that focus. Mm-hmm. It's it's just interesting you say that because I see competing firms or clients of ours that they try to be so good at so many different things that they're you know quote unquote the master of none. You know, and as you said, I think that's a great point. Try to be very good at just one thing and and exploit that.
0: Yeah, it's like, I, I like art of all kinds, and you look back at Matisse and Picasso and all the impressionistic movement, and Matisse uh, led an art um, momentum called Fauvism. Okay. And he's interesting when you read his quotes about art. His quotes about art are as interesting as the colors that he chooses. Really? They read them because he's a brand. He was a brand. Someone had took impressionism. He can't say... I do that. Right. So he creates Favism. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So you any when you 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 never angle to pick up more that you know. That's called greed. Mm-hmm. It's always better to angle to what interests you and what can differentiate you so you can give it away. Right. And that germination creates businesses on businesses on businesses. That's why right. great businesses that want to have a line extension or move into other products can do so easily. And people wonder, how are they owning that entire ecosystem that quickly? It's because they're using the same core. Yeah. Not just operationally and technically, I mean culturally and branding. Right. It's the same core. Yeah. And that's how they grow. That's how they grow. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can call it organic. Right. 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 Yes, it wasn't an M&A. We get it. But it's also because your culture is well aligned and your people all want you to go there. Right. It's probably not the CEO's idea. It's exactly. that his culture is so good, his people bring him the ideas
1: yeah. or her the ideas. And and as you said, they want to go there. And if you're not, then you're stagnant and they're, they're not excited. They're, they're out of the band. They're gone, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. The they're band's, out of the band. The band splits up. <laughs> <laughs> you got Noel and Liam Gallagher and they can't stand <laughs> each other, right? Right. That's a shame. That happens, but uh, it's it's interesting. So what, what do you see in, in today's world where we've got, you know, technology advancing and changing jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you, how do you continue to have that sort of singular focus or one thing that you do so, so well and and continue to try to move that forward? That's a great question. It's harder and harder. As, As we,
0: as technology grows and advances all the way from, you know, robotics to algorithms those kinds of things, we get farther away sometimes between, you know, about human connection. Mm -hmm. And the emotional side of business building is branding. Right. So that is a challenge, but I would say there's two cornerstones. One is have a philosophy. You know, philosophies, uh, it sounds like a older uh, nomenclature. Right. But having a philosophy, a belief system in something— I mean, deeper and, and higher up than the business. Right. A true philosophy will keep you grounded enough that no matter what technologies are layered on, that it should still grow what? The roots of the business, a philosophy. Yeah. So when we begin a brand, we begin with a philosophical paragraph of the brand that is aspirational. And the other thing I would say is nowadays, it's important to productize even things that are not tangible Interesting. So, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Professional services. Okay. So, just because when you open that Apple box and you see your beautiful new, you know, iPhone or product, you get this feeling. Yeah. Well, professional services can be unboxed just as eloquently. And it's in the nomenclature we use. It's the touch points we use pre and post meeting. Right. Uh, it's in the platforms that we build. I yeah. We build a platform today. Right. It's not hard. Yeah. Build an application that pursues needs that are not yet requested by your customer and give it away to them. Yeah. And tell me you won't get longevity and business relationships and brand loyalty because you will. Right. But again, you see, you have to have that philosophy to believe in the platform. Right. And that philosophy is also born from the idea that you want to be collaborative, you want to remain humble, right? And yep. you want to do the same thing you would do as an as an artist writing a song or building a company. Yeah. It's, it's one layer at a time. So I, I think on both sides, just because professional service firms don't have products doesn't mean they can't productize. Sure. And the productization, I think, with all we do, especially with Slack and uh, things in the cloud and all the things that create efficiencies. Yeah. Well, if they're creating such wonderful efficiencies, which I say they do, uh, then let's use some of that efficient time to build something greater again right. for those we serve. And give it
1: to them. Yeah, let's share that and find way. You know, they'll then they'll be tied to you and dedicated to you forever, right? Right. Because it's you're... not
0: how much you know; it's always how much you care, and that's the emotional side of branding. The yep. business needs not to forget.
1: Yeah, that emotional connection and that relationship. Yeah, we call it reconnecting. You know, reconnecting the human spirit. Yeah, yeah, that's so vitally important. That's a great yeah. message for for today. Yeah. So, agreed. Yep. Well, Brad, I really appreciate it. This has been awesome. I could go on forever talking about about this topic. mic, we will continue to talk about music. Yes, and some uh, some music history as well. By the way, what's your what's your favorite soundtrack of all time? Do you have oh one? My God, of course. What is it? Godfather. Godfather. Yeah. Okay.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Easily. As a matter of fact, that's what we would uh, play before we went. <laughs> Went on stage many a time. Yeah. Just that. Take the stage in dark to The Godfather. It's beautiful.
1: That's awesome. Well, I have two I'll share. One yeah. is uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, my gosh. That might be better than The Godfather. Which which is great. Um, that is great. Yes. That's almost scary, though, as a soundtrack. It is. It's yes. scary. Yes. Yeah. And also, uh, Gross Point Blank, just because oh, yeah. it was put together by the late Joe Stromer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, those are those are a couple of my favorites. Yeah, Great that's stuff, awesome. we could go on forever. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Brad. Uh, Thank you for having me. Great to have you, and and I'm sure we will have you back again soon. Uh, if you want more tips and insight, or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast thanks for listening to this week's show you can subscribe to unsuitable on itunes or wherever you like to get your podcasts including youtube and while you're there please leave us a review you can also write to us at ray.news at raycpa.com i'm doug hauser join us next week for another unsuitable interview from an industry professional